I'm Stephen Baxter, and this is Santa Cruz Local. Like many California coastal cities, Santa Cruz is grappling with a housing shortage. It's created a rift among renters and landlords. Many renters complain about high rents and little recourse when they're displaced. Some landlords say they've been unfairly blamed for the high market rate. Tensions were heightened last year in Santa Cruz when a rent control measure was on the ballot. The measure failed, but the divide remains. One thing that renters and landlords agree on is the lack of data on Santa Cruz's rental market. Tuesday night, the Santa Cruz City Council listened to a proposal to create a rental data collection program. It seems like it would be a popular idea, but the way the city proposed to collect the data proved to be too controversial to start the program. They decided to make some changes and bring back the plan for the council's consideration at the beginning of October. Kara Meigberg Guzman covered the meeting. Kara, the city council decided to kick this rental data collection program down the line. What was the proposal supposed to do in the first place? Well, the city is looking to do an online survey of tenants and landlords. They'd answer questions on rents, changes in rents, and the reasons why the rent changed. The survey would also look at evictions. They also wanted to know what types of rentals there are, like guest houses or mobile homes. The idea is to better understand the trends in the city's rental market. The initial proposal was to make it voluntary and to start collecting data in the spring. The staff planned to come back with results two years from now. They wanted enough time to involve the community. But the majority of council members wanted a much faster timeline. They also wanted mandatory participation. Vice Mayor Justin Cummings and Council Members Chris Crone, Drew Glover, and Sandy Brown pushed for those changes. Why did they want mandatory participation? Well, the fear is that voluntary collection might skew the data. Maybe the only landlords who participate are the ones with the lower rents. Also, many tenants were concerned about how long it would take. Here's Jeb Peruker. He said he was disappointed with the initial proposal. And for those of you that were elected by tenants and, and that were elected uh, on a platform have, have spent time campaigning on rent control. If we can't even get a robust data collection effort like on the books here, I don't even know what, what the city council is for. I mean, this is the most, this is the most minimal tenant, tenant protection that we can possibly get. And I think that you all should be doing whatever you can to make sure that what we get is enforceable. Okay, so why didn't the city staff propose a required survey in the first place? Well, they cited the enormous divide in our community in the wake of Measure M. That's the rent control measure that you mentioned earlier. The staff were worried that a mandatory program would only deepen the divide. Besides, they said, they didn't see a good way for the city to enforce participation in the survey, given limited resources. Did landlords have any qualms with this data collection? The landlords seemed okay with the initial proposal, but they said they'd be wary if the survey was required of them. Landlords were also concerned about how the data would be presented to the public. They said that people should be able to see the trends, but not be able to drill down to specific addresses and see what their neighbors pay for rent, for example. Here's Mary Breslin. She said she lives in Santa Cruz, but she's a landlord in another city. She said she doesn't know any greedy landlords. This plan that was sensitively constructed by this committee 
should really be considered over any kind of coercive effort to get landlords to bend to the will of a small group of this in this town who are angry and not able to live here economically. That's not a landlord's fault. Really, technically, it's not a landlord's fault. Of course, there's other factors that determine the rents. There's the scarcity of housing, demand from UCSC students and staff, and what renters are willing to pay. Some renters have higher paying jobs in Silicon Valley, for instance. What did the council members say? Some of them were appreciative that the staff had a starting point. Others noted that they wanted some tenant protection in the months that the data is being collected. Waiting a year is no good, they said. Councilmember Chris Crone is a landlord. He works at UC Santa Cruz. He said that he and his wife own three units that they rent and they live in another. Um, um, with all due respect, uh, we, we, we heard from one part of the community that they were supportive. We heard really strongly from the renter part of the community that they weren't supportive. So, I mean, I, 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 there's, some, there's a disconnect here that I'm not really getting. Um, people are oppressed. They are desperate. They are tenants. And we are doing little up here to address their needs right now. So I, I'm just... I'm just upset that you would think that we are hearing from everyone and that we're going to sing Kumbaya now. That we need to do something for renters. That's, that's what we need to do. And this was supposed to be a renter-initiated um, uh, uh, database. So I'll, I'll leave it there. In the end, the city council voted to create a subcommittee to work with staff on revising the rental data collection proposal. What else do we need to know about Tuesday's council meeting? They talked about cell phone towers too, right? Yeah, the city council was supposed to decide on a law that would have created guidelines for 5G cell towers in the city's right-of-way. But the council ended up delaying that decision till October. We heard about 30 minutes of public comment from people who were concerned about radiation exposure from 5G cell towers. They said they were sensitive to radiation and um, were concerned about the health effects. However, their concerns about 5G cell towers are not backed up by the majority of scientific research. What's interesting is that the council listened to the public's health concerns, and they're planning to rewrite the proposed law to take account of it. The council is also forming a subcommittee to amend the law. It's unclear who's going to be on the subcommittee, but Cronin Brown mentioned adding one resident who's an outspoken opponent of 5G technology. We should note here that federal law doesn't allow cities much latitude to block cell phone towers. And the council also looked at the uh, corridor plan too, right? Yeah. Okay. So to back up for a second, the corridor plan began a few years ago. The concept was to update the city's zoning code to match the city's general plan. The plan became controversial because it would have allowed higher buildings and more density at about a dozen busy intersections across the city. So the plan was put on the back burner in 2017, but it was never killed. Council members Brown and Crone have been longtime opponents of the plan. On Tuesday, 
Council members Crone, Glover, Brown, and Vice Mayor Justin Cummings voted to have the Planning Commission revisit the corridor plan within the next six months to, quote, resolve the conflicts, end quote. Sandy Brown said she was concerned that developers still had a way to work around the existing zoning code. Okay, two other quick things. One, in closed session, the city council discussed an allegation that the city is in violation of the California Voting Rights Act. According to the notice received by the city last month from a law firm in Santa Barbara, the city has until next week to come up with a plan to transition to district elections. So backing up again, last year, the city formed a subcommittee to look into district elections for city council members, but the subcommittee's work was put on hold this year. One important side effect that you should know about district elections is that they would minimize the impact of the UC Santa Cruz student vote. That's because students would likely be concentrated in one district. Lastly, here's an update on AB 411, Assembly Member Mark Stone's bill that would bring about $16 million of affordable housing funding to Santa Cruz. The bill inched closer to the governor's desk on Monday when it was sent to a second hearing by the State Senate Appropriations Committee. That hearing is August 30, Assuming it passes, then the bill would move to the Senate floor before September 13. So we'll keep you posted on that. Before we go, we want to encourage you to stay up to date on what we're doing at Santa Cruz Local. Sign up for our free newsletter. It's at santacruzlocal.org. In our newsletter, you'll also find pertinent agenda items for government meetings. This is a new feature we have, and the idea is to get you watching and involved. We're also live-tweeting Santa Cruz City Council meetings. Follow us on Twitter, at the SC Local. Send us your thoughts. We want to hear your feedback on any of our stories. Email us letters to the editor. The address is feedback at santacruzlocal.org. Please keep it to 150 words. Better yet, Record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us, and maybe we'll include it in our next episode. That email again is feedback at santacruzlocal.org. One last thing, just a reminder, our first two-week membership drive starts this Monday, August 19th. You can find out more about how you can support local journalism on our website, santacruzlocal.org. You can also learn more about us, our company, our principles, and our memberships in our new mini-series, Meet Santa Cruz Local. You can find those episodes on our website or wherever you found this podcast. I'm Stephen Baxter. Thanks for listening to Santa Cruz Local.